Welcome to Mojo for the Modern Man. This is your host, Ken Mossman, and today I am delighted to be joined by Nico Boostin, musician, producer, coach, brilliant man, uh, just just a lovely, lovely human being, as you will soon find out. Now, in Act 1, Nico describes the tender lessons and influences provided by the brilliant light and also by the wounded darkness that were contained in his very own father. It, it's a lovely, it's a lovely uh, story, I think, in so many ways of faith and redemption and so much more. He shares a pivotal moment uh, of a line crossed, an apology sincerely tendered, and the determination to do better that really touches on generational healing. Then, of course, there was a trip to Maui and the divine delivery of a six-string guitar, in this case, uh, at, of all places, an airport terminal. And I could go on and on, and, and I'll leave the rest up to Nico and, of course, the recording to share with you. Just a quick note, if you have not yet, please do subscribe to Mojo for the Modern Man on your favorite podcasting service. And with that, let's go ahead and get into this Act one of my conversation with Nico Boostin. Enjoy. Nico Boostin, welcome to Mojo for the Modern Man. It's good to have you here. <laughs> you can speak Canadian, now. <laughs> that's, that's Canadian for yes, me too. <laughs> so let's start here. What was it like growing up in your part of the world? Oh, well, I, I grew up in this region and they call it the Hawaii of Canada. So it is like anything you want is here for the taking. So I grew up with lots of like mountain biking and rollerblading, skateboarding, lakes, there's mountains, there's any, anything you want, 360 degrees of mountains. And um, so I was just outside most of my life growing up, especially even during school, even during regular school hours, climbing cliffs and getting stuck on cliffs and getting rescued off of cliffs and <laughs> that kind of stuff. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm some, because I, I know where you are. I'm kind of taken with the notion that it's the, the Hawaii of Canada, uh, because you get a little bit more snow than most of Hawaii. A little bit, a little bit. It's not that bad though. People think, you know, oh, you guys got internet in Canada or, <laughs> um, but it, you know, and the snow, it's not, uh, it, it isn't all igloos and, you know, <clears throat> pioneers running around building teepees. It's, it's, uh, it's actually quite very beautiful and it's, um, and it's kind of mild. I mean, I'm in a deserty region right here. It's the, it's like the wine capital of Canada as well. So mm. it's, mm. I'm, I'm selling it pretty hard. I should work for travel advisory board. Some. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to, uh, this is going to result in lots of traffic on your, on your main street there. If you keep going down that route. I, I hope so. <laughs> so what were, you know, as you look at your, uh, as your, as your childhood days, your adolescent days, et cetera. Um, you know, what, what, what would you say were the, the events that really uh, shaped you and, you know, put you on the path to becoming who you are today? 
Yeah. So I, th- I think the, the, the things that come up that I find myself talking about that were the most influential deals all kind of stem back to my, my folks and specifically my dad, because as a, as a man, you're, you're, you're taking cues and you're to, you're, you're learning from how, what it's, what it should be like to, you know, to, to, to be a father or to be a man. And so that's what my dad was modeling. And my dad was really, he was super intense and you either loved him or you hated him. And he was, uh, went from being a drug dealer in Amsterdam and importing hash from Lebanon to meeting this good Christian reform girl, uh, from Vancouver in, uh, in the airport. And, and so he kind of had a pretty massive life change. And so this all translated from, from coming from an abusive, you know, he was also alcoholic and abusive, you know, upbringing, uh, on his part. And so him bringing all of that stuff and then his healing journey to, to me and trying to model to me, what it's like to be a, a, a a good father and, and, and a good man. Um, he, he took some massive steps and, and wanted to do it differently and really made a stand and said that, you know, the buck stops here. And his whole deal was all about, um, you know, he wanted his ceiling to be my floor. And so I, it was, it was the, 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 the things that, that he did and modeled and, and gave um, were really influential Um Probably the the thing that's the thing that stands out the most. That was a long long backup story, but um, the thing that stood out the most is for my thirteenth birthday. Uh, he my my folks gave me this gold ring, and they 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 said it was my bar mitzvah. So I'm not I'm not Jewish. I just I just have a Jewish nose, but um, <laughs> but they they called it a bar mitzvah, and I didn't know what that meant or what that was about. But <clears throat> they said, well, you know, in Jewish culture. At 13, you become a man. And so they gave me a gold ring and they said, from now on, you're a man and you don't, you're old enough to make your own decisions. You're wise enough. And I never remember since then, since really since then, them ever really telling me what I should do. Anytime I had something that I, an offer to go to a friend's house or to skip school or to go snowboarding or whatever, you know, it was always put back on me. And, you know, they would always say, well, is that a wise decision? Do you think that's a wise decision? And they honored that gold ring of like, you're a man now. And so you can, you make your decisions. <clears throat> that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And, and, and I, I I'm going to ask you to back up a little bit more. Um, and I'm wondering the, cause you described really a, a, an amazing transformation yeah. In in the person of your father. And I'm curious, how much of that did you actually witness versus how much of that uh, <clears throat> did he share with you? Um, the transformation was, well, you know, obviously he, I, I just know stories from his, him, his hippie days, you know, him and, yeah. and my mom, they're both hippies and my, and my, my dad just happened to be big into drugs. Um, but he was, he had, I mean, he had stories, but he had this presence that was so big and he would always talk about his, his upbringing. And so he was, 
he remembers trying to commit suicide at like three in Holland. He grew up in, in Amsterdam. Wow. Um, he has this young memory because he was told that he was a piece of shit his, his, his whole life. And so he lived, he wanted to live up to that. Basically it was, it was, he remembers being uh, beaten, you know, and thrown around the room and, and his mom protecting him with an iron from his drunk dad, you know, trying to, and so I, I have to, I have no grid for that because I grew up in a loving home, but I would see, I saw these glimpses of my dad when he would get into insecure mode and when he would, and I saw like the power of both. I saw the impact of him, you know, the healing side. And I also saw when it went sideways and how he would destroy, you know, had the ability to destroy a relationship pretty quick. Um, so I saw, yeah, I saw, I saw both sides of that. I saw the, this, the struggle of his, of, of how he's, how he did struggle to, to be that whole healed, you know, beautiful man that, that he was meant to be. And, and also carrying some of this pain and, and shedding, you know, always the work to shed the pain and shed the, the, yeah, the, 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 the bruises from, from his past and those old tapes that he was, that he lived with. The, the, the language you're using, I think is so apropos um, because, you know, and you, and, and you and I both knew, know this from, uh, of course, the work we do with our clients, the work we've done on ourselves, et cetera, that the, the, it, 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 it it's not like, for instance, cutting yourself where the body just heals you know the body just heals we don't have to give it a whole lot of thought uh, or uh, attention focus etc or or practice at it the body knows what to do but the kinds of wounds that you're describing really do take a level of uh, uh, of presence of consciousness of of intention uh, in order to in order to have that healing happen. And, you know, and I'm really touched by, um, uh, cause I know, I don't think the last time we talked, we got into this that much. Um, what I'm really touched by is that you as a, as you know, as a, as a younger, as a kid and as a younger man, were able to, to see, you know, knowing his history that you got a window into that, that other world and got to see him, you know, in, in, in real time, for lack of a better way of putting it, wrestling mm. with his own wounds and his own healing. Mm. What did I, yeah, I'm curious, how, 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 how would you say that that, you know, influenced or continues to, and continues perhaps to influence you? Um, I think that it was so, it was so inspiring. I, I realized that my childhood was pretty rare actually to have my, mm. you know, my folks, my dad constantly, he used to introduce me as a young, you know, ever since I could remember, he would always introduce me um, and quote a scripture from, you know, from the Bible that was um, that, you know, he would say, yeah, this is Nico. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And which is, you know, straight from, from the Bible. And he would always, he would always introduce me like that ever since, you know, growing, growing up. And it was, there was always this sense of, <clears throat> of pride, you know, that, that he carried. And, and 
outward love and he was he was like a insanely strong and a, like kind of an abrasive you know and um well not kind of very very like hard he was just hardcore intense and so he loved hard and and if and and he would intentionally push your buttons just to get at your heart because he just could not stand surface levels conversation or 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 talk he just had no time for it so it totally it all that totally influenced me and i found that you know both good and bad you know i i then you know growing up with my kids with my son i i introduced them the same way because i i felt i knew the impact of that so i i still do it every once in a while i still introduce my my kids that way even though they're 20 and 21 um <laughs> But you're still it, uh, immensely pleased. <laughs> I, I am. I am. I am. Yeah. So it's it's so that's on the good side is like I've I've wanted to pass on the things that I received, and and I also find there's still the struggle that I have with some of the things that I saw my dad do, or um, that were that I was like, I'm, ne- I'm never going to be like that. I, n- I never want to do it like that. And, and then here I am, I'm a dad and I'm doing exactly what, what my dad did, you know, that I, as a nine-year-old or a 13-year-old, I was like, oh man, I don't, I don't want to do it like that. I hope you're enjoying this conversation between Nico Boostin and myself. Just a quick reminder, if you have not yet, please do subscribe to Mojo for the Modern Man on your favorite podcasting service. Let's dive back in. You're painting yourself into a magnificent corner. So share a word or two about, about because there's it's all information in it and it's useful. Where did you see perhaps the shadow express itself? You know, the shadow of your dad, if you will, express itself in, in your parenting and your relating yeah. in, in any way. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, there's a couple of specific scenarios. I, I remember one time actually it was, it was probably the, the, it was probably the, the, the most painful, you know, hardest, um, situation that my dad and I had to work through. And when I was like 17 hmm. and I was just, I was being an asshole. I was in my room and uh, we were talking and he had just bought this new guitar for me, for my grad. I just graduating grade 12. And I was, I don't know what the argument was about or whatever, which arguments were pretty rare with us, but I was just being an idiot and he couldn't contain his anger anymore. And he had, he had some anger issues. You know, he would, he would, he would get easily irritated, but he ended up getting up and like punching me right in the stomach and like knocked the wind out of me. I couldn't breathe. And I was left and it was, it was kind of messy. It was, it was bad. And the next day, the, the beautiful thing about my dad was, was that he, he would always be the first one to apologize. He would always be the first one to come and like, he, he, he would own his stuff. He, he always owned his stuff and he mm. was emotional and soft. And I remember that next day us just, you know, hugging each other and weeping, um, you know, and he, he, he just felt so, I think that was the day where he was like, I worked my whole, I, I worked for 17 years not to pass this kind of stuff on. Like I never wanted to hit my kids. I never wanted to, to do it the way my dad did. Um, so it was a really beautiful, it was like a really bonding moment for us. And I think it was a big realization. And so the, the one thing with, with my, you know, growing up that I saw was this, my dad was easily irritated. He was just 
And, and there was, and it came from this, the insecurity was, was pretty close under the surface. You know, it was like you you could hit those buttons pretty, pretty quick with him. And, um, and so I remember just thinking, I I don't want to parent that way. And, and that's been, you know, that has been a struggle, especially when my kids were smaller and they're testing your patience or your, your, you know, your sleep and blah, blah, blah. Um, and in other and, words, when they're behaving developmentally appropriately, but even, but even, you know, last year, my son still lives with me. And even last year, you know, I, I find myself saying things and my son will say, come up to me and, and it's like, pop, you know, Papa, this, this is, I don't like how you, how you talk to me that that was made me feel dumb. And I was like, Oh man, that's, that's exactly not what I, I'm so sorry. Like this, that is not what I want to do. And I, I recognize it and I see it. And it's something that I have to be conscious of, of not, not going there. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. it's just so ingrained. It's like so ingrained in you. It's, it's so natural, even though, you know, logically, no, I don't want to do it like that. It's, um, yeah, the, the, what's modeled to you just seems to, it's just, it's, it's there. It's so deep. It, yeah, it is. It is deep. And again, you know, the, the, and, and I'm hearing two things. You haven't, you haven't said this, but, and it's really clear and just, in just, in just hearing you. And of course I can, even though we're only recording the audio here, I can see um, the, the, you know, the ongoing, if you will, you know, the language I, uh, that I, uh, I use is the, the ongoing generational healing, you know, yeah. we're still working, you know, you healing the wounds of your, of your father. Of course they become ours. You know, we, we, we get to own them as well, you know, but this really beautiful, um, uh, you know, we, we all, we, the, 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 the culture says, well, oh my God, I hear, I heard, I heard my mother's words or my father's yeah, words right. come out, come out of my mouth. Um, and that's kind of funny on the one hand, on the other hand, what you're describing is, you know, this moment, these, these moments of, of awareness, even though you don't, even if you don't catch them right at the, at the moment you're doing X, Y, Z, yeah. you know, this notion of, ah, yeah that thing that I just did that I swore I would never do. Oh, you know, yeah. there's another opportunity for healing. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, how'd you make your way to music? Um, well, my dad, my dad was a drummer. And so I, I, I grew up playing the drums ever since I was a tiny, tiny little kid. But then I had this moment where I, I went to uh, on this missions trip, actually, to Hawaii. And uh, the real Hawaii as opposed to the like, Hawaii of Canada. Correct. Yeah, yes. this, is the Ma- <laughs> this is the Maui, actually, the, the real Maui. And uh, and so I was on this mission trip when I was 15 uh, for like six weeks. And there's this guy on this trip that had um, this his beloved guitar. And um, at the end, his name was Steve. And at the end, he's about to go to the, he, we're in the airport and he's about to get on the flight. <clears throat> and um, he had taught me a couple chords that, that summer. And he's about to get on the flight back to Texas or wherever he lives. I haven't talked to him since, but he turns around and he's got tears in his eyes and he hands, hands me his guitar. And he says, God told me to give this to you. Wow. 
So he handed it to me. I'm sitting there with this, with his, this guitar that he loved. And uh, so I started playing at 15. Wow. So boom. And, 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 uh, and I, I take it that you kind of sort of took to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it really fit. Well, it was, um, it was a sweet expression. I mean, I had a, a few bands when, when I was in high school, just some, you know, stupid fun first band experiences. And one of my best friends was, was very, very inspiring to me still is Ari, um, who kind of taught me and my buddies all the chords that we, you know, that we, that we know. And, and then, yeah, from there, I just, I started getting into recording and then moving out to Holland, um, did my first little like four track tape, cassette tape. Uh, uh, and then, um, yeah, just like duplicated them, like did, did it old school and then, and then ended up moving out to, to Minneapolis and did, did my first couple albums and did, I don't know, a bunch of albums, maybe five, six albums or something. And you're still, and you're, you're still making music and producing, um, et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's a lot going on. Yeah. What's going on with you from a musical standpoint now? Well, yeah, I kind of gave it up. I gave up the, the performing thing a while ago, but I still do uh, every once in a while I'll do something, but just recently now I'm, I'm kind of combining it with my coaching practice. So I'm, I'm doing, um, I'm doing this little thing called song and rants where I'll, I'll play a song and do a, uh, and rant about the topic of the song. So it'll be linked somehow. Um, and that's been, that's been kind of fun. It's, it's kind of the, it still gets my performing itch scratched, um, which is there maybe twice a month, which is fine. And then, um, but the other thing is I'm actually writing songs um, as a kind of a service with my coaching clients. So I've, so I've, I've been, I've been doing this thing where it's kind of half coaching, half songwriting collaboration with, with clients who are not, who aren't even musical. They don't, they don't, they're not musical. So I'll come up with the melody and the chords and the structure and help. Um, but it'll be about them or about the topic that they want to talk about. So it's kind of a fun, I'm just experimenting with that now and done, done a few of those. What a what a sweet cool yeah what a what a you just froze for a moment there but what a what a sweet cool thing I'm just imagining the yeah well, and and how do the how how do the clients take to it? Well, it's yeah it's 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 been pretty amazing because <clears throat> the first couple that I did I, I the very first one I did was with a client and she was like wow this is my dream to write a song I didn't even know it was a dream it was a bucket list wow. and then I I was able to record it like a video and then. Now she has it for the rest of her life. And it, it was really about, we, we, we coached, um, she was my client for maybe seven, seven months or so. And so it was all about the work that we did and where she wanted to go all in the visualizations, all the stuff that we worked on. It was all kind of combined in this one song. And now she has it professionally recorded forever. She can just listen to it. And yeah, beautiful. beautiful. And it's, yeah, a lot of the lyrics that she, you know, she came up with so pretty cool. Sweet. That sounds like so much fun. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet. 
I do hope you've enjoyed this first half of my conversation with Nico Boostin. If you want to check out more of Nico's good work, you can visit his website. That's Nico Coaching, N-I-C-O Coaching, all one word, dot com. And of course, please do come by my website, Cirrus Leadership, C-I-R-R-U-S Leadership dot com. Have a look at what I've got coming up by way of classes. Dig into my blogs. You can find every episode of Mojo for the Modern Man right on the website. And of course, if you have not yet, I do encourage you to subscribe to Mojo for the Modern Man on your favorite podcasting service. Of course, Nico will be back next week for part two. I'm not going to throw out too many spoilers except to say that it is rich and deep and in some cases challenging and well worth the time. And with that, Thank you so much for joining me here on Mojo for the Modern Man. Take care and be well. See you soon.